Welcome to the Big Ten on Radio Boise, KRBX 89.9 FM Caldwell, Boise. Uh, we have a special show today. It's um, super special. Yes, for the first time in history, <laughs> we have the entire Big Tent hosting crew here today. And Valerie, so we have the entire Big Tent crew here for the first time ever. That is super exciting. We had the full crew when we were here with Corey. Well, Corey the new, left. the current lineup. Sorry, Jackie. The bigger, better lineup. Yes, exactly. Right. The new and improved lineup. Right. And I feel like we have like freshman, sophomore, junior, senior class all represented. Exactly. So since we're all here, why don't we do individual introductions? Of course, I'm Luke Fowler. Uh, of course, I'm Jen Schneider. <laughs> I'm Charlie Hunt, and I'm Jackie Kettler, and, and, we're, I, and we're all from the School of Public Service at, at Boise State. Um, here to talk about public affairs, and given that there's four of us with very diverse, interesting, different perspectives on things, we got a, a somewhat chaotic show planned for you today. Jen, you want to explain what we're going to do? Yeah, we thought. Well, so not only are we chaotic. Um, but also the news cycle this week feels pretty chaotic. There's been some interesting headlines. So we decided that we're going to take our Radio Boise hard hat here and we're going to play headline popcorn. So each of us have put three or four headlines that we found really interesting from this week into the helmet. And we're going to just randomly pull them out um, and we'll just see what sort of hijinks ensue does that sound does that sound good to all of you guys that sounds exciting okay. all right valerie looks real concerned but we're gonna go for it anyway all right charlie you're our newest host i get to do the honors so yeah we're gonna start with all you right. i mean this make sure you pick exciting. the best one. Oh gosh the pressure is mm-hmm. rising mm-hmm. all right mm-hmm. let's go for this giant one public, public affairs popcorn here we go okay Fifth mayoral candidate joins Boise mayor race, hopes the stem tide of Californians moving to Boise. What a goal. What? So I'll admit, <laughs> I put this one in, and I put it in because, one, like that's somewhat interesting when we talk about the anti-California sentiment and the, the issues of urban growth and all this. Well, the reason that headline stuck out to me is because if you replace Californians with any other group of people that comes becomes hugely inflammatory like borderline insane like imagine if it was stem the times of mexican americans stem the times of democrats of anything else but somehow it's all it's i'm not even gonna say it's acceptable to say californians but somehow like don't put it in a headline but imagine if that was any like racial group or religious group minority nationality like that would be insane right i mean not only that but from a practical perspective, I know that that statement represents the sentiments of a lot of people. People are afraid about growth. They don't want Boise changing so rapidly. And legitimately, they're concerned about rising costs and suppressed wages. But from a policy perspective, how does one stem the tide well, and of, some, of California. And some of the ideas, if I'm if I remember correctly, are that to actually make it a worse place to live, so that people won't come here. So basically, burn it to the ground, and then we'll just like we'll be okay. stop stop trash collection or something like. And that. I think like you know like not upkeep the parks stuff like that. So what makes it a really nice place to live? Let's get rid of that. Yeah, so well, people won't. Come. We'll make it worse than L.A. and San Francisco, and that's why people won't want to come here. Great. As someone who just moved here, I don't appreciate that. <laughs> I came here because I thought it was gonna be a good place to live as a a homeowner in this town i don't either all right but let's come up really quickly with three things that we could do to make boise a super bad place to live like for example we could just light the green belt on fire there's one option others 
what else would make uh, quality of life here? Uh, well, thinking about the problems in major cities in California, we could stop uh, providing services to homeless uh, and just allow them to sleep all over the streets. Oh, and man, that's too real. That's place, too right? real. Okay, all right. What else could we do? Well, what, what do you like about Boise that I, you, you could nuke? Well, we could go back to a very polluted river, mm. um, mm-hmm. you know, which would not only mess up the green belt, but a lot of our activities that kind of stem around that. Yeah. Um, yeah. We could shut down all the streets and have everyone just on State Street. So just oh, like, they do that anyway, just like though, July right? in Boise, yeah. basically. We could yeah. just move to a, to an e-scooter only economy. <laughs> no more cars. Just everyone has to use the e-scooters to get everywhere. Um, Luke and I might actually be in favor of that. We're kind of big e-scooters. Really. Scooter fans, yeah. They, yeah. They like yeah. The I kind of like the scooters. And yeah. so I just moved close to campus and said so my car was in the shop, so I totally scootered to the office the other day. <laughs> I don't have too many complaints. All right. It's time. It's time for headline popcorn. Jackie, your turn. She's digging in, digging into the hard hat. All right. 22 updates. 2020 updates. Or 2020 updates, what I say. I don't know. Oh, you have to give us 22 okay. updates. I'll, <laughs> I'll see if I can come up with a couple. Uh, so a couple of developments this past week in the in the Democratic primary. As we talked about last week, the third debate is coming up. And thankfully for my sleep schedule, we are down to just one debate because only 10 candidates made the cut. Uh, there was a question of whether it was going to be one or two debates. Uh, but enough people either didn't make the cut or dropped out that we are down to one. And I personally am very thankful for that. I will say that uh, I noticed that Kristen Gillibrand dropped out today. I thought she was sort of an impressive candidate, but my my 15-year-old said, oh, I'm so glad she's gone. I'm tired of her begging for money in my Instagram feed. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently my 15-year-old's following politics now. Well, I mean, she's her candidacy, some of the reactions to her candidacy have been interesting since she was one of the people early on that called for Senator or former Senator Al Franken to resign and got some backlash from other Democrats about that decision. So it's been kind of interesting to watch that campaign and now she's you know can be kind of more and maybe more influential in who she ends up endorsing and campaigning with and she's been a real champion for women's issues in particular women and children so yeah watching those endorsements I think is going to tell us a lot she did show her hand a little bit and say that there were a lot of really interesting women candidates so maybe that gives us a sense of who she might throw her weight behind and there's been a real collegiality among the women senators running for president they get excited when they see each other they hug each other they support each other so there really is some companionship seems to be among that community oh, I like yeah, and, seeing I, that. and I think with with only a couple small ex- exceptions, you know, there was sort of a, a little bit of a tiff between Cory Booker and Joe Biden. In general, not a ton of shots have been taken between the candidates yet. Now, that's probably going to change as we get closer to Iowa uh, early next year and as the field winnows down a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, of course, there was uh, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden in that first debate, that sort of fiery moment. And, uh, you know, we'll see more of that. But in in totality, it's been a pretty tame primary so far, I think. I know that has some Democratic strategists worried, right? People, they're worried that Democrats might spend too much energy going after one another and not enough focusing on the president, the incumbent. But I think, gosh, we're such a long way away from the actual election, too. And I think a lot of that ends up being forgotten. So we'll see how that shapes up. All right, Luke Fowler, it is your turn. All right. Does President Trump want to nuclear bomb hurricanes? So there was an article in Axios this week where a journalist reported from some sources on background anonymously that during some meetings, two in particular, 
President Trump had asked specialists in the room if hurricanes could be uh, abated or dissuaded from coming onshore in the United States by putting setting off a nuclear bomb within them. Um, of course, he put out some tweets and said this was fake news and that those things didn't actually happen. I think what's so interesting to me about those headlines, I mean, it sounds a little absurd, but there were actually programs in the post-war era that looked at that question of whether or not we could affect the weather using nuclear bomb technology. No, no, I, like because I've read extensively about this because there's all kind of current conspiracy theories, but like weather control technology, actually the U.S. is a signatory on a treaty that promises not to use weather control during warfare. So there is like a scientific basis to this but i think it just adds to the let's say the image around trump that he just says crazy stuff all the time and that he's just like this kind of a madman in the white house um and this one at least has some basis to it so but it just goes along well with the greenland headline from two weeks ago yeah, and it was interesting to watch his tweets about hurricanes this week, too, because we know Hurricane Dorian is uh, uh, going to make landfall in Florida. It was initially looked like it was heading towards Puerto Rico. And the president tweeted that, uh, you know, as always, the hurricanes are going for Puerto Rico, which was a, a strange wording. And he's been uh, criticized heavily for how he handled um, uh, Puerto, uh, Puerto Rico and its sort of post-disaster recovery. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to pull some more headlines and see what other crazy stuff has been going on. Stay tuned. You are listening to The Big Tent here on Radio Boise. Hi, this is Kiara Wilson from Boise. You're listening to Radio Boise KRBX 89.9 FM, Caldwell, Boise, community radio for Boise and beyond. All right, we're back on the big tent and playing uh, headlining popcorn, headline roulette, whatever we're calling this, <laughs> um, picking random news headlines and discussing them. Uh, so, so uh, lots of fun so far. Jen, I believe it is your turn to pick a headline. Oh, is it my turn? All right, uh, here you hold the hard hat, and I'll reach in. We're very scientific. I mean, I don't want to bias it. I don't want to bias it. Everybody, we're social scientists. Okay, uh, this one says Federal Election Commission to effectively shut down. Yeah, so the Federal Election Commission has got six appointees. The, there's been four, and the one of the four just announced that his resignation, so we have three, but they have to have four in order to do anything. This means in order to get fines, in order to answer questions or give advisory opinions. And so, and this has been an issue for a while, these vacancies. So now we're going into the 2020 election with an FEC that basically can't do anything. I mean, uh, is anybody able to give a quick primer to folks on what the FEC does and why it's important? Sure. So that's the kind of they're running our elections for disclosure for campaign finance donations is the big one. And so any, do you know, that's where we're getting information from who's fundraising, you know, what the donations are, how much, where they're spending it. That's all coming through the FEC. They say they're going to keep doing that. So the disclosure will keep active. But if people don't report the FEC won't be able to give a fine. Well, and it's not as if we haven't had any major FEC like campaign finance violations in the last few years. I mean, if you, I know it's, you know, everything feels like it's in a black hole at this point, but if you remember from about a year ago, the whole Michael Cohen fracas where, you know, there was this issue during the tail end of the 2016 campaign with President Trump. Well, he wasn't the president yet, but, uh, uh, 
but he there was you know an issue with campaign finance and he, and the campaign is under investigation for this that. This is the so payment to Stormy Daniels. That's right. Okay. I couldn't okay. I couldn't remember the name for a moment and I. I, I have a Rolodex of porn stars play, playing in my head at sure, all times. Sure, of so. course. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I guess the question is, how come the appointments haven't been made? Are they hung up in Congress? Or Yeah, and, and so one thing, like there can't be any more than three of one political party on the commission. So like you can't just have all Republicans. They have to be Republicans and Democrats. And yeah, re- President Trump has appointed one person, but he has not received confirmation hearings or a vote in Senate for a while. That's been kind of tangled up. Hmm. All right. All right. So here we go. We're going to head back into the uh, hard hat. Charlie, we'll come back around to you. All right. Let's do it. Uh, Okay. Governors of Missouri and Kansas signed deal to end the economic border war. Ooh, this should be interesting. Yeah. Missouri and Kansas. Okay. Yeah, I thought the border okay. war ended like 200 years ago. Well, so apparently there's been some issues in both states offering tax incentives to companies in the other state. And so both states have spent millions and millions on tax breaks and incentives for companies to move from Kansas to Missouri or Missouri to Kansas, which means the region is not actually benefiting in the general. It's just like, you know, kind of washing out. Because they're not collaborating, they're competing. They're competing, even though the economic area of Kansas City includes both Kansas and Missouri. And Jackie, you're from Kansas, right? What's the poop on this? Like, how how have people thought about this or talked? About well, I mean, there's definitely a rivalry between the two states. Um, but here, the two governors, Kansas has a Democratic governor, Missouri, a Republican governor, came together to agree to no longer be giving tax kind of incentives to still companies from the other state so that they're going to end that economic border war. Now, I think the, one of the most interesting parts of the story is like Kansas City, like you said, talked about, like goes across the state lines. And there's only a handful of metro areas that cross state lines like that. So it's really interesting to see the politics that surround what happens when you don't just have local governments, but you also have state governments that are doing all of this um, and who ultimately has control over some of the uh, some of the decisions that are made. Do you think as cities grow in size, we're going to increasingly see moves towards regional cooperation or regional governance for that reason? One, yes, we've seen that in the last 15 to 20 years. Um, but when you look geographically at where major urban areas are located, very few of them are located close enough to state lines that this actually becomes an issue, right? I mean, you imagine like the tremendous amount of growth that would have to have, have to happen in Boise for it to cross over into Oregon. Um, I mean, so well, maybe. I mean, we're not that far. I thought yeah. we were trying to stem the tide from out-of-state citizens. Exactly. Uh, well, Oregonians are okay. But yeah. I mean, when you, especially when you look at what is built on the Oregon side of the state mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's only really a handful, maybe a couple of dozen of these cities. Um, Kansas City might be one of the most famous ones. Chicago, New York. Um, there's you're talking about major areas that really have a lot of urban sprawl. But I mean, you look at all major, like all the major cities in Texas, like Dallas is in the middle of the state. Houston is in the middle of the state, or really along the border like so these cities don't really have the potential to, to spread over state lines and so it's interesting those situations and there's a, a lot of good case studies written about them in the the research all right well keep an eye on missouri and kansas if you weren't already yeah right? all uh, right. you know not everyone's from one of those states like me but <laughs> i thought it was kind of an interesting deal to be made between two governors and that we don't necessarily see that type of cooperation yeah which could end up benefiting them both right yeah. if they do it right all right jackie all right, n- recent Netflix wrecks. 
Recent Netflix Rex. What is this? What have we been uh what have we been watching lately? That's just as uh as sort of a topic for us. I've you know, it's the beginning of the semester, so I haven't had a ton of time to be binging too much, but uh I thought I'd see what y'all have been watching and uh, if you got any recommendations for me. I have one. This is going to be of an, of relevance only maybe to Valerie, but it's Working Moms, which is a Canadian-produced uh, sort of sitcom. And uh, for me, it just resonates so deeply. Even though my kids are older now, they're 13 and 15, I remember so clearly when they were little babies and I was going on the tenure track and my husband was traveling all the time for work. And it's just, I think, a really smart, fun take on the challenges of trying to raise kids and also be a, a professional. So I recommend that. Um, I've been, I finally started watching Mindhunter, which I'm about a year behind on that. Um, and I will say there's a really interesting element about like the development of kind of this behavioral science at, F at the FBI. They bring in an academic to kind of help and she's always pushing them on the research design and the research challenges. So in addition to like the serial killer element, I've been really fascinated by the research side of it. Is that show too scary for me? Do you think I can handle it? I'm kind of worried. I mean, it's kind of creepy but i don't think it's scary and i'm i have a low threshold okay for okay i'll try it out. i'll try it out. so charlie i'm i'm gonna admit this uh the the biggest conflict that me and my wife have is what to watch on tv so mm -hmm. months ago i just decided to give up and agree to whatever she wanted to watch on bravo <laughs> that was like the least appalling to me <laughs> so basically i've been watching a lot of real housewives the last couple of months and so i have no recommendations and i wouldn't re recommend the real housewives either so but do you have strong opinions about the housewives oh i do know? have strong okay. opinions thought, <laughs> thought, the thing that bothers me most <laughs> is that i'll be like painting in our house or like working on my computer and then something will happen and be like oh my god that i like have this very strong opinion and i say it i'm like what did i just do it's sucking me in charlie i guess you've seen the light you know yeah. it's uh it's it can be maddening but <laughs> that's my favorite interchange ever on the big 10 which so like cities are you watching uh so we finished up uh beverly hills in orange county at least to like the and now we're on atlanta which is even more interesting because okay. it is a very different demographic okay <laughs> All right. All right, Charlie, you got any recommendations before we go to break? Uh, well, I was going to say Mindhunter, too, but now it has so many interesting, uh, you know, interchanges about social science and behavioral science. I'm just hoping it means we can assign it in our classes <laughs> coming up. So, you know, we'll see how ambitious we decide to go. Here's what a good research design looks like so you can catch the Mansons. All right, good. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a quick break. Um, when we come back, we're going to finish up Headline Popcorn. You're listening to The Big Tent here on Radio Boise. Stay tuned. Make sure you tune in to my favorite show, The Playground, every Saturday morning from 7 to 9. Liam plays cool kid songs. All right, we're back on the Big Tent, and uh, we're rolling into the final round of Headline Popcorn or Roulette. Um, where we're drawing you don't like Headline Popcorn, or should we just make it Headline Roulette? All right, whatever we want to call it. All right, it. executive decision. I keep headline Roulette. I keep forgetting what we're calling it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, we're drawing random headlines that we've all submitted, and we're just kind of discussing them off the cuff. Uh, lots of chaos and a chaotic news cycle, but lots of fun. Uh, so I believe we're going to have a guest chooser for the headline this time to start a round off, our, our producer, Valerie, who is always here, even though she doesn't talk very much on the show. Valerie, what you got for us? Oh. Mm, digging deep, digging deep digging in the deep. Radio Boise hard hat. I'm trying to find the one that's like in a paper, like crumpled ball, because that's the one that always mm, wins in a drawing. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Ooh, Rick Man, uh, sorry, Rick Perry, the man in charge of American nuclear weapons, fell for an Instagram <laughs> hoax. 
All right, so I gave this, and the reason I put that one in there is because me and Jen were emailing about it earlier this week, and it makes me laugh so hard. I I don't know the story, but I'm not surprised. So it actually isn't that bad because the, there's other articles about like it's the Instagram privacy one. They're like, oh, post this. So here's your, so lots of people fall for it, but it's just hilarious because most of the article was just talking about like all the dumb things that Rick Perry did, but then it's just like, oh yeah, he's in charge of, of like nuclear weapons and all of this really important stuff, but he doesn't really know what the Department of Energy does, and he. He falls for hoax on social media, and so it's kind of hilarious. My favorite thing, when we lived in Texas, he um, like shot a coyote when he was on his run. I think the coyote started attacking his dog, which brought up so many questions. Like, what's happening? And you're running with wow, your gun? and you're running with your gun. That's amazing. Well, so this Instagram ho- hoax is one of those bad ones where it's like just block text, and it says s- crazy things like, Instagram is about to make all of your private photos publicly accessible to everybody you've ever known like it like it really strains any sort of belief um so i could sort of like there's this all these memes about um baby boomers being (laughs) so bad on social media so it made sense to me maybe that rick perry would do it but i was so sad to see that america's sweetheart julia roberts also got sucked in uh, so I actually proposed after me and Jen emailed back and forth about this article that we do a segment uh, that we just talk about like where are they now with all these random celebrities that just pop up in the news when they embarrass themselves publicly. And it was going to be like this was going to be our starting place because I haven't heard anything from Rick Perry in like six months or a year, and then he just does this. And now, Luke, he's I'm sensing a pattern here with the Real Housewives and then the celebrity. <laughs> where are they now? Just a a a, a very uh, sort of I'm very People inter- Magazine kind of vibe. I'm very entertained by ridiculous human beings and the poor decisions they make. So. Maybe you should go back you. and get a PhD in cultural studies like me, Luke. Uh, I've got one PhD, and that's far more than what anyone needs. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bruce Banner would disagree. But okay. All right. Who's up next? Is it you, Charlie? Oh, it's oh. Luke. Oh. All right. Let's see what we got What's about to happen? <laughs> Brett Bed- Bedbug <laughs> Stevens. <laughs> Oh, this is my favorite story of the week. So if you haven't seen this, uh, Brett Stevens, who's a conservative columnist for The New York Times, his hiring created a whole kerfuffle. But anyway, he's a columnist for The New York Times. He uh, was on Twitter, apparently, and one of our academic colleagues from George Washington University had posted on Twitter a joke about Brett Stevens being a bed bug because the third and fourth floors at the New York Times had been infested with bed bugs. It was like the daddest joke of all dad jokes, like really bad, and it had nine likes and no retweets. And Brett Stevens wasn't added, right? Like he, it wasn't like at Brett Stevens, here's a bad joke. Brett Stevens somehow found out about it and he emailed this guy's provost, his boss, and said, basically, like, look what your employee is doing. It's not very civil, uh, civil discourse. So anyway, this has really blown up, and it just really totally made my week because of the extraordinary absurdity uh, with which we've seen this. Well, and it, it goes in towards what sometimes is referred to as the Barbra Streisand effect, which if you bring attention to something that had been ignored, well, then it's going to just explode. And so last time I saw the, tw- the, the 
professor's tweet had like 14,000 like interactions or something. And, and so it really is once you call attention to it, well, then it's just going to like explode. I mean, and of course, with all like the vicious, hateful things that are put out there on social media, let's, let's focus on dad jokes because that's really what cuts deep. <laughs> Bed bug. It's such not an insult. Yeah. Brett Stevens kind of seems like, you know, the kid in class you rolled your eyes at a lot, you know, just tattletailing and uh and charlie like, i'm really worried for you now you might get a phone call you know uh, you're gonna I, get the phone call because you're in the dean's <laughs> office that's right he's gonna email you so yeah. uh i guess i should i guess i should watch it since i'm so new but uh you know hopefully <laughs> brett stevens doesn't uh, bring my career down a little bit early well and just one more bit of irony he has also posted a lot of sort of uh, columns and op-eds about um liberal snowflakes who can't you know handle a little uh, criticism so this is particularly sweet for that reason. Well, and you didn't mention that he off he, he invited this professor over to his house for dinner to call him a bed bug in front of his wife. <laughs> yeah, it, in all irony, right? Like, he was not being serious, but it I, was not a good burn. I would take up, if I was that professor, I would have taken that invitation and be like, fine, let's, let's do this. It'll be fun for everybody. And I will say the professor is taking it with a lot of good humor, and as somebody who teaches media and political communication, he has a really nice case study for his classes now, so... <laughs> All right, we're going to come on back to you, Jackie. You don't want to draw? Oh, no, I, I better not. <laughs> I, I have phone calls from Brett Stevens coming in, so. All right, um, Greta Thornburg, Swedish climate activist, arrives in New York City by boat. Okay, so um, this was on my mind this week. Oh, I got two in a row. This was on my mind this week because just last week I watched Greta Thunberg, she's a 16-year-old from Sweden, give her TED Talk where she says, how can you believe climate change is really happening and people aren't just losing their minds with panic? And I was like, you know what? Totally. I know there's a lot of arguments that we shouldn't use apocalyptic rhetoric about climate change, but if you believe climate change is as serious as many scientists say, it is also strange to be walking around the world acting as if everything's normal. So she has uh, engaged in some strikes, walked out of schools to protest inaction on climate change, and in fact, there is going to be a climate strike held here in Boise on September 20th from 1 to 3 at the Capitol if you want to participate. So she arrived by boat. What that was to you know, so as not to ride an airplane, which is very sort of climate intensive. Yeah, she's definitely against air travel, and she tries to engage in low carbon travel. I mean, I think um, the other thing to know about her and what makes her especially interesting is she also has some uh, mental illness diagnoses and is autistic. She's on the spectrum, and so I imagine there might have been a social aspect to that as well. Um, but certainly, traveling by boat was meant to call attention to carbon footprint. She's definitely not wrong that uh, air travel for a lot of people in terms of your individual carbon footprint along with what you eat is definitely a, a pretty serious contributor. So certainly some truth to it. And cruises, I found out those big cruise ships are way, way worse than air travel. Like they're really terrible for, for carbon footprint. Yeah, she's getting some criticism because she had, what, six people on the boat with her. And so there actually was, a, 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 you know, some carbon footprint associated with it. But um, I think that's beside the point. So. All right. So welcome, Greta, to the shores of the United States. Um, it looks like we have one more. Do we have time for one more? Can we squeeze it in? It'll be a very quick one because I know which one it oh, is. Oh, you do? All right. Well, let's what go this says it. is Professor Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Yes. I knew. And uh, all right, I, all right, all right. I saw this. <laughs> very nice. I saw this just before we came in here that 
Matthew McConaughey has been hired as a, I think, a visiting professor at UT Austin to teach a film studies course in which they will watch two of his movies. Uh, his 2012 movie, Mud, which I haven't seen, but I heard was very good. Have not oh. seen it. Uh, seen it. And then a movie of his that's coming out, I think, early next year. I have to admit, it would be very soothing uh, hearing, you know, hearing his voice as as my professor every every day. What do you guys think? I would uh, sign up. I'd sign up. I would sign up for a class like that. Um, and so I, I was telling Charlie before the show, like I always like watching these headlines, but I'm always like a little disappointed when they're like, oh, film studies, because I was like, oh, Matthew McConaughey, he's gonna teach like an economics course, because that <laughs> would be like, wow, this is amazing. But then it was just film studies, and I was like, oh, this isn't nearly as interesting to me. Well, so listen, if you're in Boise, you probably can't take a class from Matthew McConaughey, but you could come take a class from one of us in the School of Public Service.